Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. As you are undoubtedly aware, our world is in the midst of chaos right now. Conflicting voices are calling us to believe them and to trust them, yet much of the world is justifiably skeptical as they should be. Many of our leaders have strayed very far from the ideals we once believed in, and they want us to embrace their new value system. In Daniel chapter 11, the prophet is shown a dark future. If you are a follower of Jesus, you may be asking yourself, what can I do? The answer is, there's a lot you can do. To learn more, here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Living Faithfully in the Midst of Chaos. Well, let me tell you something you all know. It is so incredibly obvious. The world is absolutely insane right now. Anybody, no amens? I gotta find a different kind of church, man. People are telling us that we need to depend upon the government. Maybe it's just me but I feel like I'm being told to depend upon people who can't find their way out of a paper bag. Some of you own businesses, I've owned several. Some of you run businesses, some of you are the boss where you work. If you ran your business the way they run our money, you wouldn't see the end of the month. Throughout history, certain governments and cultures want to replace God And they do it by pressuring people to believe them and not God. We are in one of those seasons right now in the United States of America. It is what we might call a new ethic. Just so we know, this is largely in the West. This is largely America, Canada, Europe, The rest of the world is having a grand old time watching us fall apart at the seams. A lot of times it happens when there is a lack or a loss of faith among people, and that opens the door wide open for all kinds of new things, even bizarre things coming out of the woodwork. History tells us that such things cannot be sustained as different cultures will have great difficulty in resolving their issues and eventually empires crash and burn. Now the question becomes, how helpful can a follower of Jesus, and I want to stop and put the brakes on one minute if you're here somewhere else in the building, watching online, listening on the radio. If you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you, you are most welcome here. You are the honored guest. I'm so glad that you're here. And please say hi to me, write to me during the week. I would love to get to know you and meet you, even if you hate everything that I say. That's fine. Love to get to meet you. The question is, or how helpful can a follower of Jesus be in such a time as we are living in right now? According to the Bible, very helpful, extremely helpful. And so the title of our message today is 
living faithfully in the midst of the chaos. Living faithfully in the midst of the chaos. Daniel chapter 11 is a prophecy given to the prophet Daniel after he had been in captivity for some 70 years now. The prophecy, much of the prophecy has already come true. Some of it is yet to happen yet. It spans from his current time, let's put the dating around 536, 537 BC, all the way to the end of time. But today, we are going to focus hundreds of years in his future, far in our rearview mirror, in the years 175 BC to 163 BC. Now, it's interesting. The first 350 years of this prophecy gets 15 verses. These 12 years get 15 verses. So now you're smart people. What does that tell you? These years have some very, very important things to teach us. It has to do with the reign of one of the the worst characters in all of antiquity and in the Bible, a fellow by the name of Antiochus IV. He changed his name to Antiochus Epiphanes, which means Antiochus God Manifest. Now, you think some people think they're the gift to the world. You know, ladies, you know, the guy who thinks he's God's gift to women. Talk about a guy who thinks he's God's gift to the world. This guy names himself after God. Now, the Jews, they just sort of did a play on words, and they called him Antiochus uh, the Madman. And the angel is showing Daniel this vision uh, hundreds of years into the future as Judah and Jerusalem, that would be the southern part of Israel, find themselves physically in between two world superpowers. One is to the north, Syria. One is to the south, it would be Egypt. But the Jews also have a very, very difficult internal cultural problem too. The high priest, who was primarily the, both the religious and political leader uh, in Israel, sided with Egypt to the south, not Antiochus Epiphanes to the north. At the same time, there was a movement in Jerusalem that sided with Antiochus and Epiphanes in the north. He's a descendant of the, the, the empire of Alexander the Great to adopt Greek culture and thinking over the traditions of Judaism. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to kick the Bible out and they're trying to bring Greek culture and Greek mythology in. Now, I know this is going to surprise some of you. This movement had most of its support among the rich and the elite of Southern Israel. So this group and Antiochus Epiphanes replaced the high priest with someone who was much less of a man of God. So they took him out, the man of God out. They put in a semi-man of God out. In time, this secular, non-word of God, rich and elite group brought in their own high priest 
who wouldn't know God if he walked in the front door. He had nothing to do with God. He was just a crooked politician. And what developed in Israel? A culture war. Does any of this sound familiar to you? A culture war developed even to the point of time where it gets violent. Sounding familiar at all to you? We pick it up in verse 29 where he's looking ahead from, you know, 536 BC to about 168 BC. The angel is looking ahead and he tells Daniel this, verse 29, at the appointed time, and that would be the appointed time by God, he, and that would be Antiochus Epiphanes, shall return and go towards the south. Now let's just stop there for a second. About two years earlier, he went down to Egypt and he put a hurting on Egypt. And that were part of four kingdoms that were divided. So the guys knew each other. And it actually says earlier in chapter 11 that they sat down at the negotiating table and they were both lying to one another. <laughs> so they're going to lie to one another. So the Egyptian guy go, king goes, oh, yes, I will agree to that. I will agree that. You beat us. I will agree to that. I will beat that. And guess what? He didn't do it. So there was a rebellion among the Egyptians. So he shall return and go toward the south. So he's not too happy they didn't keep the agreement. But it shall not be like the former or the latter. Another version says, but it shall not be like the time as it was before. So the first time he goes down, he puts a hurting on Egypt. But this time, it's going to be different. Why? The answer is in verse 30. For ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Let's just stop right there. So Antiochus Epiphanes wins the battle. Egypt not adhering to the agreement, and he's not happy. So Antiochus Epiphanes and the Syrian army, let's just call them the crumbling Greek empire, marches towards Alexandria, Egypt, but this time will be different. They're not going to roll over them like they did two years ago. Why? Well, verse 30 has a very casual history-changing prophecy. It says this, ships from Cyprus shall come against him. That means that as they're walking towards Egypt, there's ships coming towards him that, that have other troops on them. Guess who's coming to town? the Roman Empire. The Greek Empire is crumbling. And guess who's growing in power? The Roman Empire. Two years ago, they were busy fighting elsewhere and gaining more power and more steam to be involved in this. But now they're going to meet Antiochus Epiphanes. Why? Because like all world superpowers, like all empires, the Greek empire is unsustainable. History tells us, not the Bible, history tells us that Antiochus Epiphanes is met four miles away from Alexandria. Now, interesting, skeptics call this prophecy after the fact. They're like, there's no way that Daniel could have known this. Somebody must have wrote this after it happened. Daniel, first of all, the Jews would have never let that in the Bible. But no, it, it can be because it's so accurate as to what happens. 
And in a very famous scene in history, it goes down like this. Epiphanes is leading his troops and the commander of the ships gets off the boat with his posse and they start walking towards each other. And the commander walks up to him and he says, hey, I have a letter from the Roman Senate to you. And he hands him the letter. Antiochus Epiphanes takes the scroll, takes the letter, and basically it says this. If you march in to Egypt, we will consider that to be a declaration of war against the Roman Empire. So Epiphanes says, oh, this is not good. So he says to the commander, can I have some time to think about it? So the commander says, no problem. You have some time to think about it. Says to one of his associates, hand me a stick. They're on the beach. He hands him a stick and he draws a circle around Antiochus Epiphanes. And he says, once you step out of that circle, you have to give us your decision. (laughs) And if you step out and don't say you're going home, that will be a declaration of war against the Roman Empire. So he is completely humiliated. And at the same time, when he knows he can't beat Rome, so he goes, got to start walking back with his tail between his legs. There's rumors going around Israel that the Roman Empire killed Antiochus Epiphanes. And so what do they do? The Jews go, we got to get rid of this high priest that he put in there. So they set out to to depose of this high priest. They want to overthrow the, the government that is there. Verse 30 continues. Therefore, he, Antiochus, shall be grieved, another version says disheartened, and return in rage against the Holy Covenant. Who's the Holy Covenant? The Holy Covenant are the people of God, right? So what, what they're doing is they're marching home, and he says, hey, Let's stop by the Jews. Maybe I couldn't do a damage in Egypt, but I'm going to do more to them. And they say over time, he killed about 80,000 Jews. And so he stops and it says he he will rage against the Holy Covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard. Now, we're not really sure what that means. It could be he's going to listen to or he's robbing, going to rob the temple or pay off people, those who forsake the holy covenant. So what does he say? You come to my team, I'll reward you. So he's going to reward traitors, people who want to give up on Yahweh, on God, and follow hard after him. So he's enraged, he's embarrassed. He wastes no time in attacking the people of God. And he comes back and he starts murdering people right and left, starts taking prisoners, starts selling some of them off as slaves. What is he doing? He is pressuring people to leave the faith. And he is rewarding and warmly accepting all who do. It's like the people who who go move away from the faith and they go on the internet and they have to make a big announcement of it. And everybody, oh, we love you. Thank you for being so true to yourself. Same kind of thing going on here now. Now, the anti-word of God people, you know, the rich and elite, they are more than happy to help. 
Their whole thing is, hey, come on, let's, let's, let's get with the times. Let's, their agenda is clear. Let's adopt Greek culture. Let's move forward with things. So what happens? A divide in the culture. A divide in the culture begins to happen between the true people of God and the false people of God. Those who will compromise and those who will not. I don't know about you, but if there was such a publication as called Church Weekly, we're reading it right now. It would be just like this. The same thing is going on. Verse 31, and, forces, and the forces shall be mustered by him and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Some of your versions say profane the temple. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. For you New Testament readers, you might be like, I've heard that somewhere before. So verse 30, we read that he did damage. In addition to his murderous actions physically against people, Antiochus Epiphany tears down the city walls. Now for any city in the ancient world, the city walls were their protection, were their defense. But for the Jews, who was their defense? the Lord, their God. For you, Christian, who is your defense? Remember we said last week that a lot of times when the Bible says, do not fear, we can say to ourselves, you are safe. The Lord is our defense. And so Antiochus Epiphanes and the crooked high priest, his name is Menelaus, I call him Menelausi, but Menelaus, plus the troops that he leaves behind when he leaves, could be mercenary killers, they set up shop in the temple. And what do they do? They start passing laws. Laws like this. The daily sacrifices against the law. Circumcision of the young boys against the law. Worshiping God against the law. Sabbath observance against the law even possessing a copy of the word of God, even having that app on your phone. You're like, Pastor Jim, they didn't have apps. I know. Even having that app on your phone against the law. And some of these things, the penalty was not just jail. Some of them, it was the death penalty. That's what you would receive if you disobeyed these laws. After that, in the temple, God's temple, they build a temple, an altar on top of the altar to to symbolize that God is no longer in the house. God is no longer ruling the place. This This is the second temple. They build an altar to Zeus. And on that altar, they start sacrificing pigs. A total insult to the Jews a total insult to God. And this is called both by the prophecy in Daniel and by Jesus, the abomination of desolation. Now, what is this? If you were here last week, we talked about in chapter 10 that there is an unseen demonic realm that is at work among the government. Now, I don't want to be Mr. Conspiracy Theory, but the word of God was very, very plain that there is 
conspiracy, that there is demonic activity among certain governments. So the unseen demonic realm is doing what now to the Jews in and around Jerusalem using government and culture to take them down. The goal is simple and clear to see everyone apostatize. If you don't know what that means, we did a nine-week series on how many Christians right now in the United States of America, in the conditions we are in right now, are apostatizing. What does that mean? A lot of them are compromising. Let me ask you this question. You don't need to answer it right now. When you are compromising, how much influence do you have over other people for your faith? I'll answer it for you. Next to none. Next to none. When you're at a party, go, let me tell you about Jesus. Save it. Save it. <laughs> right? Right? You have, you have no some of you are like, oh, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> you, have, you have no influence, but even more so, as you compromise, you are what? Drifting. Hebrew says, be careful lest we drift away. And as you drift, eventually you are leaving the faith. So be very, very careful. Basically, this is a call to paganism and you could make an extremely strong case that this is happening to Christianity in our country right now. There used to be kind of three sets of Christians. Sort of went like this. They're the sort of like totally fake Christians. You know who they are, right? You know what? Christians who are totally fake and not believers actually like this church. They really do. Because they're like, that guy gets up there and he is pulling no punches. He's just telling it like it is. I, I like that. You know what? They go to these other places and they're like, this guy, this is as phony as a $3 bill, man. This is not the way life is at all. And then there's the hardcore Christians, the Bible people. They love it too. They love our church. They're like, it's Bible, Bible, Bible. We love it. But then in the middle is the largest group called the mushy middle. They hate it here. They're like, we don't want this guy telling us we're sinners. We're, we're really good people. Okay, you're a sinner. Sorry. What am I going to tell you? Right? But what we're finding now is more of the people who we thought were hardcore are actually mush, mushy middle. And so a lot of churches are finding that a lot of people are just walking away from the faith. If that's you, and that you're here today, and you've been falling away, and you're just, you want to come back, man, I am so glad you're here. I am so glad you're here. And I hope God is, I hope I've seen like mellow compared to how much God is really going at you. If you're watching online, I hope that's the case. I hope God is just like, come on back, come on back, come on back. God will not turn you away. Sadly, many in Israel caved as many are today. And we need to keep our eyes open that it's happening right before our eyes. But it's not just people leaving the church. It's also seen in people who know their church is wrong, yet they stay there. They're like, well, you know, it's where all my friends go to church. 
Well, just go to the diner with them, dude. I mean, come on. I mean, really? So many people know that their church is following the culture, is shaving the truth, and yet they stay. I think it's also seen in our inability to biblically discuss the hot button issues of our day. I hear stories of people that are like, well, I used to be friends with so-and-so, but, you know, we're both Christians, but, you know, we voted for different people for president, so we don't get together anymore. Oh, how mature. Really? You know what? I don't think you're really the Christian you think that you are. We have to be able to talk about the hot-button issues of our day, even if we disagree, because we are bound together by what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.